This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 35. And I have entitled this message, A Call to Men to Return to Bethel. And I want you to think about this, A Call to Men to Return to Bethel. It's not just to fathers. I'm thankful for all the fathers that are here today. I'm thankful that my father's here today. I love you, Dad, with all my heart, every fiber of my soul, every fiber of my being, from the top of my head to the sole of my feet, with every breath I take, every pound of my heart. I love you, Dad. I thank you for raising me well, giving me a chance to know Jesus, a godly mother. I just appreciate you raising me in a Christian home. Amen. This is a call for men to return to Bethel. And this this message, like I said, it's not just a father's message. This is to all the guys. You're listening here today by the internet. And so, listen, I, I don't want you to get distracted with the dog and the the newspaper and the crossword puzzle and the coffee and all that. Don't look, don't let that stuff interfere with what we're talking about here today. Three simple points. But if you pay attention and you hang with me, I think it will be something that you can take home and think about for the rest of the week and certainly apply it to your life. And so I'm going to ask you to look with me now in Genesis chapter 35 as we talk about this subject, a call to men to return to Bethel. Now, perhaps, just maybe perhaps, there is somebody in this service today, a man or a woman, who has no idea what Bethel is. You have no idea where it is. And so if that be the case today, then I pray that you would really pull up your heart as I I would normally say pull up a chair, but I'm asking you to pull up your heart today because I want to teach you something about Bethel. The Word of God says it has great significance to us. And so I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1, Genesis chapter 35. You know who the writer of this book is. I assume you know it's Moses. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible It's called the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch. Moses wrote these books. And according to the word of God, beginning in Genesis chapter 35, verse number one, and God said unto Jacob, arise and go up to Bethel and dwell there and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you. Wow. How in the world did that happen? And be clean. And change your garments. 
It's good to see a number of men in our service today. It really is. And I have no idea how many are actually watching by internet, but it's good to see a good number of men here in the house of God this morning. And I would like to think that many of you are here today, not just because it's Father's Day, but I would like to think that you are here today because it's the Lord's day. And because you have a burning desire not only to meet with him, but to worship him. That's significantly different. I mean, when you look at the shape that this world is in right now, when you look at the shape that the average home is in, the average community is in, I'm sure that you would agree that there has never been of a more important time in your lifetime than for you to be totally in love with Jesus than it is right now. I'm talking about, listen carefully, these are not the days to be a casual Christian. Your Christianity is coming under fire by the day. And so if you have sat back in the easy chair of Christianity for a fast few years of your life, let me reassign you a task or let me reassure you of something. These are not the days to be casual in your faith. I can assure you that the perilous times that we are in today, we're globally facing and the things that we speak of in little bits and pieces here or there, listen carefully, it's only the tip of the iceberg for what's coming down the highway like a train without brakes. And, and I would pray that there would not be a man sitting in their easy chair with their feet propped up and say, what in the world is going on? Well, according to the word of God, we're in the beginning of sorrows that Jesus spoke about prior to his return. And again, I assure you, let not your heart be troubled. He's not going to forsake us. He's not going to abandon us. I firmly believe we have entered into what Jesus has called the beginning of sorrows, what Jesus has spoke about that would take place prior to his return. Genesis chapter 35 is a classic passage of scripture. And by that, I mean this, that Genesis 35 is a passage of scripture that most of us are well familiar with. And if you're not well familiar with Genesis 35, I pray that you will be well familiar with it when we leave here today. So familiar with it that you could teach a lesson on it yourself. In this story, God is telling Jacob, to go back to Bethel. Now again, if you're sitting here today and you have no idea what Bethel is, please learn something this morning. For those of you who are familiar with this story, you are familiar with this text, have you ever thought about what it must have been like for Jacob to have had Isaac for a father? what it must have been like 
for Jacob having a grandfather like Abraham. Now you think about that for a moment, it'll be enough to chew on for a while. But even with that, here's the thing that I want you to know. Dads, again, listen, if you're at home in the easy chair, look, click that thing up just a little bit, pull that chair in, let your feet rest on the floor, hold your Bible in your hand. Dads, guys, today, I pray that you perk up and listen carefully. This is so important. Listen carefully. It didn't matter that Jacob had Isaac for father. It did not matter that he had Abraham for grandfather. Even with Jacob having the best parental authority that one could possibly have in their life, Jacob still, under those two pillars of the faith, Jacob still had some major character flaws in his life. It's a perfect example that nothing is a given. Turning out right doesn't just happen. This is a perfect example of this truth that none of us, because of the family that we're born in, none of us are born good. And we do not grow into being good. Are you with me? We don't grow into being good. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the word says. And every single one of us are totally depraved just because we're human beings. If it wasn't for the grace of God, the blood of Jesus, we would all die and go to hell. It wouldn't matter if we came to church every Sunday. Only the blood of Jesus, the glorious resurrection, makes it possible for us to go to heaven. Jacob basically, listen carefully, having Isaac for father, having Abraham for grandfather. Imagine now family devotions in that home. Still Jacob, growing up under that umbrella, Jacob still developed into being a con man, a conniver, a trickster, a schemer. And he was all of these things to his own family. So think about this. But I don't want to leave him there after a huge truckload of sad events. I want to fast forward just a little bit here. Jacob did have a turning point in his life. There was a tendering of his heart. And it was in those developments that God began to speak to him. And God told Jacob something very important. At at the tender season of his heart, in the opportune time for him to make drastic changes in his life. God spoke to Jacob and he said this, Jacob, it's time for you to go back to Bethel. Bethel was a word that had great meaning and I don't know if you are well aware of this or not, but I encourage you to take some notes in the margin of your Bible. We've given you a bulletin today. Take some notes 
on your bulletin as well. But Bethel means the house of God. And we're going to come back to that in just a moment. Bethel means the house of God. And it was the place where Jacob came to know the Lord in a very real, personable, devoted way. Bethel, by the way, was the place where Jacob saw the angels of God ascending and descending on the ladder connecting heaven and earth. Bethel was the place where Jacob became a new person, so to speak. Let me ask all of the men in here today, is there a special place fond in your heart where you met the Lord in a very personable way? I want your minds to travel there with me just for a moment. I want to ask you again, is there a special place that's fond in your heart where you met the Lord in a very personal way? Is there a special place where you had an unusual experience with God? Something that was just out of the norm of the everyday experience with God. I pray that you pray every day, you read your Bible every day, but is there a place that you're fond of in memory where you had a most unusual experience with God? Perhaps it was at a youth camp. Maybe it was on a college campus. Maybe it was in an old church house somewhere, but a place deep in your mind where you will never lose the sight of it or you will never lose the thought of it. Perhaps a place where just the mention of it brings back heart-melting memories to your soul. I would say this, listen carefully, that everybody who knows the Lord must have a special place in memory lane about that experience. I can remember for me personally, a few years ago, I had an opportunity to go back to Bethel. I can remember, and my Bethel is not your Bethel. Your Bethel is not my Bethel, but I had an opportunity a couple of years ago to go back to my Bethel. My Bethel was in a little church off of Jefferson Davis Highway, a little church. It was called the Grace Temple Baptist Church. And I had an opportunity to go back to my Bethel because it was in that little church house. If I was standing on the platform, it would be where Sister Stephanie was sitting right now. I was sitting on the second pew in my Bethel. And when the preacher preached, it was though that he was preaching to only one person as if only one person was in the entire church. God had captivated my heart and my attention. I was saved in 1963. But I remember sitting on the second row in that little church house where God called me to preach. And I can remember when the preacher gave the invitation, I turned over to Gail and I said, this is it, God's called me, I've got to surrender. Let's go. I took her by the hand and we walked forward from the second row down to the front. I took my pastor by the hand and I said, 
There's not but one thing for me to do and surrender. And I have no idea what I'm surrendering to, but God's called me and I've got to surrender. And we did. And a few years ago, God had moved upon my heart in such a way, it was almost I heard him audibly say, almost. It was that real to me. Go back to Bethel. I didn't have to say, where are you talking about? I knew where my Bethel was. And so I picked up the telephone and I tried to, I'd gone down there and read the church sign. I wanted to go in the church. I called on the phone and nobody answered the phone. It would just ring, go to a voicemail. I said, this, I've, this is not working for me. And so I kept going down there, going down there. I wouldn't advise you to go down there today. But you, I, I just kept going down there. And then finally I went and I saw a car out there and knocked on the door. And a gentleman came to the door and I said, I'd like to talk to the pastor. He said, I'm the pastor. It wasn't Grace Temple Baptist Church anymore. I said, sir, I said, I'm a gospel preacher. I pastor a church on the south side. And I surrendered to preach in this church house. He chuckled a little bit and said, well, how about that? I said, would it be okay with you if I just came in for a minute? He said, well, it pretty much looks the same. We haven't done much to it. I said, I'm not interested in that. I said, you still got a second pew? He said, yeah. I said, it'd be all right with you. I'd just like to go sit on the second pew for a few minutes. And I can remember walking down that aisle, that little church house, just to breathe the air in that building. Just to make my way down, sit on that second row. I knew I was at Bethel. And God began to reaffirm some things in my heart. God began to speak to me. It was almost that a testimony was just flowing from my heart. I had taken somebody with me and they couldn't really feel what I was feeling or sense what I was sensing. But I knew that I was at my Bethel. God told Jacob to go back to Bethel. Listen, you got a Bethel. Every one of us that are in love with Jesus, there must be a Bethel in your life God told Jacob to go back to that special place. And Jacob was so surrendered to the Lord that according to the scriptures, he instantly obeyed him. Look in chapter 35. I want to read the first three verses for you again. And God said unto Jacob, Arise and go up to Bethel and dwell there and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household and all to all that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments and let us arise and go up to Bethel and I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. You see, Bethel was the place where Jacob 
was in the center of God's will. And there may be some men who are listening today who may be watching by internet this morning, someone who might be in a very weak place of your life spiritually right now. You're not as close to God as you ought to be. Are you not as close to God as you should be? And in the course of time, you have let things come into your home. You have let things come into your family. Jacob, who had Isaac for a father, Abraham for a grandfather, is now telling his house, hey, I've got to go back to Bethel. And before we go, listen, we got to get the strange gods out of here. Maybe you've allowed some strange things to come into your home. We've got to get clean. We've got to change our garments. There's some things necessary that we have to do in our home. We've got to get right. God's calling me back to Bethel. He told Jacob, he said, I want you to go back to Bethel. And there might be somebody here today where God is speaking to and he's saying this. I want you to go back to the place where you loved me the most. And I'm not necessarily talking about geographically. Maybe you know geographically where your Bethel is. I know where mine is. But I'm not necessarily talking about geographically. I'm talking about the place where you said, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. Maybe to the place where you said, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. Or maybe to the place where you said, here am I, Lord, send me. You know, it's totally amazing how we can let things and time affect and change our relationship with the Lord. There are many Christians all over the world right now who are in places of life where they never imagined that they would ever be. I want us to look quickly at three things about Bethel this morning. Number one, I want us to see the return to Bethel. Genesis 35, 2, then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, put away the strange gods. How in the world could that? You know, when I read this, I wonder how in the world could Moses go to the top of Mount Sinai and get the tablets of stone with God carving each one of those laws with his own finger? How in the world, so quickly, how in the world could just a few days of absence change the entire heart melody, change the mind of these people down below. How in the world could they take their clothes off and make golden images and dance around a golden calf in just a matter of days? How could that happen? And I read this right here. How could it happen? Strange gods among the children of Jacob? There are many Christians in places who have allowed things to come into their heart and lives that have changed life significantly. But listen carefully. Let's look at this. He said, put away the strange gods that are among you. Be clean and change your garments. The Bible says that Jacob gathers his family all together and he announces to them what they're going to do, what the plan is. And perhaps, listen, Maybe there are some men in here this morning that's listening very carefully, who's taking this very seriously. You're soaking it all in. And maybe you're watching by internet and doing the same. Perhaps some guys today are listening and maybe you're in a place where you're nowhere near Bethel. 
You've allowed things to come into your heart and come into your home. And because of careless and reckless decisions that you have made, maybe perhaps today your family, you and your family are nowhere near Bethel. If that's the case, because listen, we are running out of time. The signs of the time are all around us. And it's time for you to say, guys, listen, it's time for you to say, as the leader in your home, as a, as a follower in your home, enough is enough. The path that I'm on, the path that we're on, it's not working. We need to get back to Bethel. That means we're going to go back to God's will. I think we need more families today who has the backbone of Jacob. But here's the thing. Jacob just didn't simply pull up stakes and go. You see, he had to lighten the load within his family to make this journey. There were some things in his life that was keeping him from serving God to the fullest. Verse 3 again, let us rise, go to Bethel. I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. And so guys, listen carefully. Perhaps there's some things that you need to get out of your life. Maybe there's some things you need to get out of your home, out of your habits, out of your routine. And it may be necessary to lighten the load for you to get back to Bethel. Number two, quickly, I want us to see the revelation at Bethel. In verse six and seven, the word says, so Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel. He and all the people that were with him, and he built there an altar and called the place, look at this, El Bethel. Underline that in your Bible. We're coming back to it in just a minute. El Bethel. Because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. Okay, once Jacob gets to this place, he not only calls it Bethel, but he calls it El Bethel. That means not just the house of God. You remember we said Bethel means the house of God. It's important that you wrote that down because of the place where we're at right now. Bethel means the house of God, but now Jacob is calling it El Bethel. And what El Bethel means, not just the house of God, but the God of the house of God. That's significant. El Bethel means the house. Listen carefully, the God of the house of God. And so why does Jacob change the name here? Because Jacob is now in a position for himself to personally now start growing, exceedingly growing in grace. Second Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So listen, as Bethel means the house of God, El Bethel means the God of the house of God. Let me say this. It's one thing for us to come to church and we ought to come to church. The Bible says forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together for such is the manner of some. It is time for us to get back to church. Can I have a witness? But it's another thing altogether to worship the God of this church. Listen, you can get in your car and come down to this church house every day of the week. You can pick up a brochure, a bulletin. You can fumble through it, walk to the lobby, to the restroom. You can come to this church house anytime you want to, any day of the week. Bethel means the house of God. 
Ethel, El Bethel means the God of the house of God. And so think about it this way. Bethel not only had a name change, but Jacob had one as well. In fact, he actually had the name change back in Genesis 35, verse 10. Look at that verse. God said unto him, thy name is Jacob. Thou shalt not be called any more Jacob, but Israel. Look at that. But Israel shall be thy name, and he shall, or he called his name Israel. Jacob, the word Jacob means supplanter. But God had already changed his name previous to that in Genesis 32, verse 27 and 28. Let me read that for you real quick. And he said unto him, Why is, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. But here in Bethel, God reiterates the promise that he made to Jacob. God was saying, as he had revealed to Jacob, he was saying this, Jacob, I've got a plan for your life. I have a promise for your life. And I believe that God is saying that to every single one of us today. It's amazing what will happen in your life if you take a trip back to Bethel. It's amazing what God will reveal to you. Number three, and our musicians come forward. I want us to see the results of going back to Bethel. In Genesis chapter 35, beginning in verse number 13 and 14. And God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, even a pillar of stone. And he poured a drink offering thereupon, thereon, and he poured all thereon. Let me remind you of something, guys, and this is also good for all the ladies today as well, that the sweetest intimacy that you can have with God is when God talks to you. Dottie Rambo wrote a beautiful song. Dottie Rambo was one of the world's most beloved gospel singers and musicians. In fact, the night that Dottie Rambo was killed in a bus accident, she was on her way to this church. The night she was killed. But she wrote a beautiful song and it said this, I didn't come here to ask you for anything. I just came to talk with you, Lord. It's one thing to talk to him. But when he talks to you, it's the sweetest intimacy that you could have with him. And when I thought of that this week, it reminded me of those two men on the road to Emmaus after the glorious resurrection, Luke 24, 13 says this, and behold, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And verse 14, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. And verse 32, and they said one to another, listen carefully, read it, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us 
the scriptures. This is what happens when you get back to Bethel. Listen, when you get back to Bethel, you don't do all the talking. When you get back to Bethel, you do all the listening. And he talks to me. He walks with me and tells me that I am his own. When Jacob got there, first thing he did was set an altar up. He prepared himself for worship and service. I believe that there's a Bethel in all of our lives, whether it be geographically. Some of you may remember where you were when you got saved and maybe you go back to that place from time to time. I remember where I was when I got saved back in 1963. I'd come home from school and my mother was praying for me. We knelt beside my bed, 3611 Hemlock Avenue. I've, I've drove by my Bethel where I got saved many times. And I've been back to Bethel. God called me to preach. All of us have a Bethel. A place where it is unusual. A place where you and God had the sweetest intimacy. That memory is in your heart. It's in your mind. Nothing could ever possibly take it away. I want to assure you something. When you go back to Bethel, Zip it up and let God talk to you. And here's the thing. He will. He will show up. You'll feel a breeze. You'll hear his voice. How do I know, preacher, when he's talking to me? My sheep know my voice. And they follow me. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.